BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is just moments away. By the way, live stream chat room, we're going to be reading your comments uh, here in a few minutes. So get them in right now. The question of the day. What is the first thing Rob Lagojevich does after being released from prison? We got a lot of comments here. Oh, I can't wait to hear those comments, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Smoke Reefer was one of them. <laughs> Mine was uh, Arby's. He's going to get, a, get him some good old Arby sandwich. Uh, someone said getting his hair dyed mm. back to black. Back I say, no, you look good with the Silver Fox look. Yeah. You know, you could probably listen wait, to the Wait, Silver show. Fox, wasn't it Charlie Rich? I said Charlie Fox, but it was Charlie Rich, wasn't None it? None of us know, Ben, because you're old. <laughs> Hang tight, millennials. Uh, Justin Horwitz knows. He's a big-time Charlie Rich fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who isn't? Uh, so that's the question there. What's yeah. the first thing Blago does mm. after being released from prison? By the way, that happened today. If you just tuned in and you haven't read the news Wait, or Wait, time out. Did he get released already? Okay, well, we're getting there. Uh, all right, you're, I'm sorry, my bad. I know. Uh, you're a stickler for the details, and that's why we like you, Ben <laughs> okay. Jarofsky. All right, but before we get into hour number two, we got to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126, and District 8. That's correct. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Couldn't do it without you guys. And, of course, today's program is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go! It is Tuesday, February 18th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, political strategist Justin Horowitz makes his return, and we're talking all things Mardi Gras, because why the hell not, with the Mardi Gras master, Jimmy Banos. And now your host, Mardi Gras Master? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Uh, Jimmy Bottles is bringing in food, all right? That's, I heard, that's what Denise O'Neill told me, so we'll see about that food, but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Justin Horwitz on deck. Uh, we're going to bring him on. He's talking, getting ready to talk three Bs. Blago, Bernie, Bloomberg. Three Bs, D, you get it? About the Better Business Bureau. No. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I thought you were talking about. The Better Business Bureau. No, I did not mean Better <laughs> Business Bureau. Uh, but you got an update for us, young man? Absolutely, I do. First off, everybody, if you've yet to, you should find the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show on social media at Benny J Show. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on both Facebook and Twitter. The Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram. Ben's in charge of the Instagram account. How's that going? Real, I'm a, I'm a guy that's blown up. Really? Yeah. I put a picture of me, uh, my shoes, and your head. It's, oh, it's unbelievable. boy. That's that's like, how to draw them into that Instagram Zuckerberg page. Zuckerberg called me. Hey, could you take it down? It's just overwhelming our computers. They're breaking down. All right. I said, all right, Mark, for you, take care of it. Yeah. Shout out uh, to the live stream chat room. We're going to read your comments right now. By the way, yes, video's down. You got the logo there. Just listen and enjoy the Ben Jarofsky show. All right. All right. Question. What's the first thing Rob Blagojevich does once he's released from prison? Several of you have weighed in. Let's read more of your comments. <laughs> Ricky weighed in. Ricky says, change his hair oil. His hair oil? Ooh, I don't think he had any hair oil in oh. prison. Ben says, give it a rest. Oh, not a big fan of the Blago <laughs> segment, I guess. <laughs> oh, man, Ben. Harumph, I'm Ben. Well, and I approve this ad. Harumph. <laughs> Hey, it's got my name, man. Ugh, I'm serious. Oh, yeah, the same <laughs> attitude, too. All right. I like Blago segment. Let's see here. Uh, more of you have weighed in here. I'm just Rumpf. looking for <laughs> Rumpf. I'm like, he's like 23-year-old. Rumpf. All right. I'm looking around here on the live stream chat. Brianna asked a great question here. She says, do you think Blago has the stones to run for governor again? <laughs> Go for it. You know? 
I, I think the laws would prevent him, though. I'm not even sure if he's eligible to vote. I, we need a lawyer in here to help me with that one. Shout out to Kyle. Kyle says, Blago starts a tattoo shop. I assume he gave <laughs> tattoos in prison. Either that or he becomes a father rights lawyer. Father? <laughs> Justin's laughing at that one. All right. Uh, we'll, let's see here. Uh, for, Sage Unknown. What's going on, Sage? Sage says, first thing Blago does... Get himself back into trouble. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's stay see. away from trouble, Blago. Brianna, okay. Brianna says, I say Blago is going to walk out of prison in full Elvis gear since he was an Elvis impersonator at one time. Yes, he was. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Brianna, why did you know that? Ben, why did you know that? Oh, come on. It, that's before your time. Uh, you, Blago, basically, his career began before your time and before Justin's time. You guys are both young. But... Uh, when Blago burst on the scene, he was very proud of his Elvis imitation. Oh, bless my soul, what's wrong with me? That's my Elvis imitation. Weigh in with your comments, everybody. What's the first thing Blago does when he's released from prison? Or, you know, if you just want to talk about Bloomberg, the three Bs, Bloomberg, Bernie, and Biden. No, Blago. Oh, well, we got a fourth B. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Does Biden even make the list? Uh, mm. Makes half of it. He's only half half all there. You know. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> only half there. All right. Keep your comments coming, everybody. At Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, if you want to post it on Facebook or Twitter as well. All right. Very good. Uh, Justin Horowitz, I really want to talk uh, Bernie Bloomberg with you and maybe Biden as well. Uh, the, the news broke. <laughs> Uh, in the New York Times, we were all talking about Blago, but the news broke that um, a latest poll has Bloomberg at 19%. 19%. Right. Uh, Justin, that's no joke. And as a result, he's eligible to be on the debate stage this Wednesday. I think it's in Vegas. Don't quote me on that, but I think the next debate is in Vegas. Uh, and so he's eligible to be in the, uh, on the debate stage. They changed the rules uh, to take away one of their requirements in terms of fundraising. Because let's face it, folks, fundraising is not a problem with Michael Bloomberg. But before we do that, just thoughts about Blago. Um, I know you, I was teasing that you and Dennis are a little of the younger persuasion. So uh, Blago's career began before uh, you guys were really political junkies and following this stuff. But a coming of age for kids, for millennials, one of the... Like, there's two things. Uh, Barack Obama, and I'm talking about people from millennials from Chicago and Illinois. Barack Obama's campaign and the, the, the surge of hope uh, that it gave many millennials. And Blago, right after Obama got elected, getting carting, carted off the court in handcuffs. The, the feds came and knocking at his door uh, on corruption charges. Uh, and now it took Donald Trump, Donald Trump, to get him... Uh, out of prison. What's your thoughts about all that? I'm a big Blago fan. Um, I think the Democrats should have let him out. Obama should have let him out. Uh, he, he got in trouble for doing what I think we all know is pretty much par for the course in politics. Um, he did a lot of good in Illinois, right? Seniors were riding the bus for free. Uh, I think, you know, Senator Durbin, Congresswoman Schakowsky have all said um, that they're in favor of the move by Trump. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate Trump was the one to do it is he steals the Democrats thunder once again. Um, and I think it kind of also plays into a narrative. I mean, not as much as some of the other people he's let out of jail, but I think the Republican Party is making a real play at being the criminal justice reform party in 2020. And that that could be a real problem for Democrats. In other words, and, and by the way, uh, Ed, Edward DiBartolo uh, who's the former in Illinois? Nobody's talking about this, but Edward D. Bartolo, who was a former owner of the San Francisco 49ers, never went to prison, uh, but was convicted, had to pay a fine uh, for on bribery charges. Uh, his, I think, his case was exonerated. Uh, there was, and the, to your point, there was a press conference at the White House. Jerry Rice was there, former uh, a San Francisco 49er. He was there. Ronnie Lott was there, 49er. In other words, uh, Donald Trump is going to. It's so bizarre. Champion the notion uh, that he is leading the charge on criminal justice reform. Yeah, it's remarkable. But, you know, to his credit, he there are I mean, you, you saw the Super Bowl commercial, right? Yes. I mean, he's let people out of prison for nonviolent drug offenses and has done what Democrats have said they were going to do. And uh, it could be disastrous for Democrats. I mean, who knows? I mean, obviously, a lot of it depends on who's the nominee, but. Going against somebody like Bloomberg, it, we could have a real problem um, picking up, you know, with with the black community. Let's uh, our base 
our minority communities, and I think that's the real question: is how minority communities come and turn out if it's a candidate like Bloomberg. Um, and also, you know, Trump Trump still got time to do more on that front, so we'll see what happens. Utter hypocrisy, by the way, I want to say I'm old enough to remember the Central Park Five, the five young defendants who were uh, uh, rounded up and accused of something they didn't do. And Donald Trump took a full page ad uh, calling for the death penalty in their case. Uh, that was then, I guess. This is now. People have short memories or people that didn't know at all to begin with. Uh, but I, I hear your point. Uh, if the Democrats were to nominate uh, Michael Bloomberg as uh, the presidential candidate to run against Donald Trump, he, of course, is the architect of stop and frisk in New York City, which he's a big proponent of for uh, many years. And <laughs> it is a bizarre, very bizarre uh, a flip of a switch, Justin, that Donald Trump would suddenly be um, what running as the uh the, the criminal justice candidate, the criminal justice reformer. It's hard to, to think he would have traction, but that's where we're heading. I Yeah, it is where we're heading. I mean, Bernie's national press secretary tweeted out, uh, Trump's going to say he's better, he's got a better record on criminal justice than Bloomberg, and he may be right. So it's not just supporters of Bernie, it's, you know, high-level staffers um, and surrogates, really across the Democratic spectrum, kind of sounding this alarm, um, who knows? Now, Who knows? I, I've been in the, this bubble for a while, so I haven't seen breaking news. You said that Durbin, did, did I hear you correctly, that Durbin uh, said he approved of commuting the sentence? Of when, he was, when he was talking, when Trump dangled this earlier in last year, um, Durbin did an interview where he said he should commute Blagojevich's sentence. And then obviously Trump backed off. Um, but yeah. Well, one of the things I take great delight, I've been talking about all day, I've been talking about it forever, is when Donald Trump first uh, started talking about a commuting Blagojevich sentence, it uh, cut off Bruce Rauner's re-election campaign at the knees uh, because the centerpiece of Rauner's re-election campaign was the phone conversation between J.B. Pritzker as a private citizen and Rob Blagojevich, uh, who was the governor, and they were talking about you know swapping, uh, trading something, I don't know what blog uh, was going to get from Pritzker, but Pritzker wanted to be anointed to some position. And uh, that tape was supposedly going to connect Pritzker to the evil hated Blagojevich and under uh, unseat him. And all of a sudden, here comes Donald Trump, the leader of the Republican Party, the idol of Republican voters in the state, uh, Justin. They pretty much do whatever he tells them, saying, in his opinion, Blago was unjustly convicted. <laughs> Suddenly, Rauner, man, he dropped that. You notice that he dropped that? Because that, yeah. his base was just following Donnie Trump's orders. So, oh, well, Blago's a good guy now to right. Republicans. Right. No, it's it's certainly interesting. I mean, you've seen Patty Blagojevich going on Fox News quite a bit, um, trashing the FBI, and because uh, I think it was Comey, and Comey and someone and, and Mueller, Mueller, I think, who it was Mueller who went himself, after yes. Blagojevich. So, I mean, you can't you can't blame her. I mean, all she wants is her husband out of prison. Um, it's just a you know it's just unfortunate that Obama didn't let him out. I think he was really concerned with his legacy and how it might affect it. And I think as we sit here now, it's pretty obvious he should have done it because a disaster for Democrats will be. And I wouldn't I wouldn't count it out. Um, is if Blagojevich goes on the campaign trail with Trump, we got a real problem. Well, he will go on the campaign trail for Trump. Well, we got a real problem because he's got a lot of charisma. You know, I'm going to have to think about that one, because uh, here's the deal. I'm just going to point out uh, a reality to you. Had Obama commuted Blago's sentence, what Republicans and Trump would be saying, they would, be, they would suddenly be linking uh, Obama to Tony Rezko, who uh, is an old operative, who was in the Blago administration, went to federal pen, uh, was an ally of Obama in the early years. Uh, they they, they own property adjoining each other in Kenwood. So I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Had, this is strategy of politics, uh, Justin, had Obama uh, commuted his sentence, uh, the, the Trump and the Republicans would be saying how outrageous it is and they'd be linking Obama. That said, I still think Obama, you're correct, Obama should have done it. But see, that's conventional Dems. I'm just telling you, man, that's how yeah. Dems. We like to lose. We, we just love to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Lovable losers. Lovable, Lovable losers. losers. <laughs> That's right. But uh, I, it's fun. I, 
Will Rod Blagojevich be... Wow, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, Rod Blagojevich on the campaign trail with Donald Trump. How will that play? I, if, they, if, he, if they start going on stage and saying, Rod championed great programs that we should implement, like free bus fare for seniors, uh, it could be problematic, I think. I mean... Man, Donald Trump is not going to give free bus rides. To, I hear, I would welcome that program. Yeah. Okay, and uh, he, he, he can campaign on it. I mean, he campaigned on universal health care. He could say anything. Exactly, he does just the opposite. Uh, but uh, wow, Donald Trump on the campaign trail with Rob Bogovich. I, I, they're two characters. Uh, they're cut from the same cloth. Rod was doing the the Donald Trump defense uh, before Donald Trump did it. In fact. You, you could say that Donald Trump stole a lot of his moves from Rob Bogovich. And you remember how Rob behaved when they were coming after him. He would go on talk shows. He was on the David Letterman show constantly. Geraldo Rivera championed him. It's like he champions Trump. So, yeah, uh, Rob Bogovich kind of wrote the playbook and the strategy book in that. And Rod's also got, this is the third media cycle Trump has played off Rod Bogovich. He said he, was, he might pardon him twice. Basically, I mean, the country knows who Rod Blagojevich is more so because of Trump. He really has given Blagojevich, I mean, think about that. The two cycles where he, he dangled it, which were week-long media cycles where his wife was going on, Janine Pirro and Fox and all that, and now he does it. Uh, it's really, Trump's just, a, I hate to say it, but he's he is a brilliant player of the media and really just understands people people and the media he's just he's a political genius it's unfortunate uh all right uh so let's talk about let's talk about the political genius who knows how to manipulate the media and i agree with you he's brilliant at manipulating the media he's been doing it uh throughout his entire life it's you could argue he's far better at manipulating the media than he is at say running a real estate company uh and uh i would make that argument um so how does that play with if his opponent is Michael Bloomberg? How does his ability to manipulate the yeah, media? Yeah, go up against a guy who has so much money that he can just pour, put his message on the media around the clock. Well, it's interesting because Bloomberg will spend a lot more money on ads, which makes cable media companies somewhat, I guess, more endeared to a Bloomberg type, which could... I mean, who knows? He's, he'll be spending a lot more on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, all the channels on his advertisements than Trump. Trump ain't going to spend $9 billion on this race. He doesn't need to. Bloomberg, I was just looking, he's already spent $400 million on TV, another like $36 million, I got to pull it up exactly, $36 million on um, Lee Fang from The Intercept just, just reported this. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, $36 million on Facebook ads. And then $26 million on Google ads. Wow. And that's excluding his staff. So he's already, that we know of, spent half a billion dollars. We're not even at, we're two weeks out from super, I mean, it's unbelievable. I think, I think he's on pace to spend $2 billion in the primary. There's no precedent for it. And I, I definitely understand the arguments of people who think this is the guy to take on Trump. Who knows? I, I don't know if that's the right thinking. Um, partly, it seems arrogant, right? Uh, that after 2016, where Hillary paraded Bloomberg around as the real billionaire, uh, I don't know if the country's at where Bloomberg's at, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, I don't think the company, the company, the country is at where Bloomberg's at. Right. Uh, <sighs> Bloomberg's a very tough sell for Democrats. I, mean, I talked about this earlier with Maya, and um, I'll be saying this a lot as we go on. Justin, I've, I'm like, I understand the left very well. I, I'm from the left, and I know like how we view the world, and I know how the Bloombergs and the Roms have viewed us and the Obamas, and they don't care about the left. They just expect the left to shut up and vote for them. And ultimately, the only weapon the left has when it comes to an election where they don't have a candidate in the race is not to participate. Think about that. 
just you know what you and and then that only gets the centrist angrier at them i got centrist still mad over ralph nader uh in 2000 in florida and they like don't get how leftists view the world they have this utter contempt for leftists they just want them to shut up go along fall in line even if you're selling out all their values yeah. the democrats have a rich tradition of blaming their voters for losing elections and it's pretty remarkable somebody was just complaining about ralph nader to me yesterday and it's like how do we know that those voters would have wouldn't have just stayed home i mean we, we don't know and so yeah no it's it's remarkable that it's it's the standard strategy blame the voters it's bernie's supporters fault that hillary lost it'll be bernie's supporters fault again regardless of what happens um it blaming the voters for losing election losing an election is just so backwards uh but you know people in the democratic party establishment um do not want to lose their grip on the party and i really think it comes down to that their you know their feet are a few inches off the ground and they're not able to see where the mood of the country is i mean we have populist waves on both the left and the right, the right has embraced theirs and they've basically taken over the country. Um, the Democrats are trying to push the wave that the populist wave that Bernie is stirring up down when it's probably the right time to say, let's give it a go. You know, last night Bernie Sanders sold out, or not sold out, but filled up the Tacoma Dome. Like, how do you look at? a rally like that and think this isn't the coalition to beat Trump. I have a very hard time believing that there are more people who will vote Trump if Bernie's the nominee than if uh, Bloomberg's the nominee. Mm -hmm. You know, I just... Wait, say that again? All right. I have a hard time. I have a hard time believing that that Bernie isn't the candidate that turns out the most voters against mm -hmm. Trump particularly in Rust Belt states. And this is why you heard Trump on, on a recording saying he was very worried that Hillary would put Bernie on the ticket, particularly because of his uh, views on trade. And so when you look at states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, where we're losing by really slim margins, um, that can honestly probably be attributable to those people who have been affected by bad trade policies, I just have a hard time believing what the Democratic establishment is selling in terms of what it's going to take to win this next election. Well, and just in terms of what you, uh, uh, that image that you gave us all of Rod Bogoyevich on the campaign trail with Donald uh, Trump, which is a very real image, by the way, uh, and I can see it happening. One of our uh, listeners said that's part of the deal. Uh, they probably already cut that part of the deal. But I think you're absolutely correct. And that that that's place of that renegade spirit of Donald Trump, uh, that he um, is so effective. Like he is a victim. He sort of can relate uh, to people, the victims of criminal justice, because he himself is a victim. <laughs> he's freaking, you know, deserves whatever prosecution he's getting. But uh, so I just don't believe that works with a Bernie Sanders as the Democratic nominee. You, you follow me? I just don't believe that it's an effective message against a guy like Bernie who was against uh, the Clinton crime bill and stop and frisk, et cetera, and so forth. Bernie is a Bernie is a powerful candidate. Um, you hear Republicans say it all the time. They they may not like his solutions for problems, but they think he's authentic. Um, he has the highest favorability ratings in the Democratic Party. And I mean, what got? There's a good argument to be made that what won Trump the presidency was the appearance of authenticity, right? Um, truly just railing against the Republican establishment, the Jeb Bushes of the world, Marco Rubio's. Um, when he stood on the debate stage and said, you know, your brother, uh, to Jeb Bush, your brother, 9-11 happened on his watch. He didn't keep us safe. There were things he said and did that allowed him, that just gave him unbelievable credibility amongst his base to the point where now he can say anything and they're going to believe it because he said a few things that everybody was kind of thinking mm -hmm. but wouldn't say, and it went a long way. And to your point, 
he says things that Democrats should say, but are too chicken to say because they play that game of bipartisanship like it exists. And we all know it doesn't exist. So your point about blaming Donald Trump, uh, blaming George Bush for 9-11, I don't remember a Democrat literally blaming, you know what I mean? <laughs> to say, by the way, if it, it did happen on his watch, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? If, if it happened on a Democratic watch, you damn well be sure the Republicans would be playing that card. And how many Democrats were watching that debate thinking, well, Trump could never win, and just cheering that comment on? Like, yes, he find, somebody finally said it with his, oh, my brother kept us safe. It's like, what, dude? The yeah. largest terrorist attack happened on his watch. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Justin uh, Horowitz is our guest. We're talking uh, Democratic politics, Bernie, Bloomberg, Blago. We'll be right back after this. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. I'm not running, but I'm going to keep uh, working and speaking and standing up for what I believe. I want to be sure that people understand I'm going to keep speaking out. I'm not going anywhere. What's at stake in our country, the kinds of things that are happening right now are deeply troubling to me. We've gotten not just polarized, we've gotten into really opposing camps, unlike anything I've ever seen in my adult life. The audience has a lot of Democrats in it. It has uh, Republicans, independents, Democratic Socialists, conservatives. Uh, I want to ask the audience a question, if you could raise your hand here. A show of hands of how many people get their insurance from work, private insurance, right now. How many get it from private insurance? Okay, now of those, how many are willing to transition to what the senator says, a government-run system? Millions of people every single year lose their health insurance. You know why? They get fired or they quit and they go to another employer. I was the mayor for eight years. You know what I did, what probably every mayor in America does, is you look around for the best insurance program, the most cost-effective insurance. You change insurance. Every year, millions of workers wake up in the morning and their employer has changed the insurance that they have. Maybe they like the doctors. People are nodding their heads, okay? So this is not new every year. Now, what we're talking about actually is stability, that when you have a Medicare for all, it is there now and will be there in the future. Hey, commercial break over. Welcome back to The Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Justin Horowitz with us, political strategist. We're talking Bernie, Blago, Bloomberg. Uh, <laughs> man, what a thought just to put in my head. Blago on the campaign trail. With, I totally, right when he said it, I'm like, oh my God, it's like I could see it. The guys, it's the quiet ones you got to really watch. You know what I'm saying? The quiet That's genius. correct. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I, and until he said it, I, could, I hadn't thought about it. I, I could just totally see it on yeah, TV Bla- right now. Oh my God. But will he dye his hair? I don't know. I don't know if it matters. I mean, it looks great, great. Do you see when they released the photo of, of Blago in prison? Yeah. And he's still got a six-pack? I mean, in his yeah. 60s? Unbelievable. <laughs> I got a six-pack, and probably, I love my six-pack. That's, uh, that's probably why Trump pardoned him. Remember when he said Blago's got great genes? Trump's thinking, oh, he's got he's got the genetics. No, man. Dennis <laughs> called it. I got to give the young man from Alton, Illinois oh. credit. Uh, he was the one who said it. Blago was on Trump's show. That stuff matters to Trump. Yeah, and uh, and give uh, Patty credit, like, just went on Fox, said what had to be said, and uh, you know, and and gave Trump ammunition again, folks. It's the game that's being played. Uh, they have the same set of enemies, uh, federal prosecutors, Donald Trump and Roddy, Rob Bogovich, the same set of enemies. They essentially have the same argument that uh, they're being victimized by uh, over the top prosecutors 
who are on ego trips, who have too much power. And I actually have to say, I just read Jack Goldsmith's uh, biography of his uh, stepfather, Ch uh, Chucky O'Brien, and Jimmy Hoffa was saying the same thing back in the 50s and the 60s about overstepping federal prosecutors. Uh, so, you know, this is a playbook that's been around for a long time, Justin. Uh, populists have been using it. Jimmy Hoffa used it. Robert Goyevich used it. Donald Trump is using it. And so, yeah, I could see. Uh, but I don't know. Part of Blago's thing is he's got the – I'd say he goes back and he dies to hair. Uh, <laughs> Tackling I, the tough issues today on the Vendorovsky <laughs> well, show. I mean, come on. It's it's all, all optics. You got an update before I uh, ask just, just uh, another question? Before we get out of here, we're going to read more of your comments here. The question of the day, what is the first thing Blago does – when being released from prison. We've had a lot of great answers. Keep them coming. And before we get out of here today, we will read your comments. I'm still looking for that real good one. I believe Kyle left. I'll be looking for that, and I'll read that before we get out of here. Follow us online, social media, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. And uh, also, oh, I got to make an apology, Ben. No. Oh. Hey, downloaders, how's it going? It's me, Dennis. Oh, the show. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So we had a Benny J bonus interview uh, that dropped on Saturday, and it was supposed to be Henry. I want to call him Henry Davis. Gates Don't every time. do it. Henry Davis Jr., mm -hmm. the feller who ran against Pete Buttigieg in uh, the mayoral campaign uh, there in 2015. And uh, it's like his fourth time back on the program. Yeah, I made a mistake there and put up the wrong interview. Sorry about that, guys. But it is now on uh, the Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Just look for Henry Davis Jr., full interview, and it's there for you to listen to. So if you did that over the weekend and thought, oh, what the hell? This isn't Henry Davis Jr. Who are these guys, Ben and Dennis? What are they trying? What kind of scam are they running? No, no, no scam. We got the interview. It's posted there at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. Go find it. Go listen to it and send us a comment. Let us know what you think. Yeah, no, that, uh, and then the other, uh, I, I want everybody to listen to uh, what Justin has to say. And Jimmy Benos is in the studio. We're going to get with you to listen to what he has to say as well. But uh, the other podcast uh, the down, uh, bonus that we have is the, um, that's doing really well is the show from, where was it, uh, G-Man. Last week, we were talking about the New Hampshire primary. That's on there as well. And um, a lot of people are listening to that. So good stuff from young Dennis. Got to give yourself, you apologize, but <laughs> come on. The guy works really hard uh, posting all those bonus features. I see him doing it. All right, uh, Justin, uh, question of the day before I let you go. Uh, we're probably going to have you back to talk about this. This, is, uh, this will be a, a developing story. This will be going on all the way to uh, the convention in Milwaukee, Bernie versus Bloomberg. I absolutely believe, I've said it all along, that the centrists are going to coalesce around Bloomberg. Buttigieg is going to lose his support. Biden's going to lose his support. Amy Klobuchar is going to lose her support. Uh, how do you see this thing shaking out? It's going to be a violent convention. I truly believe it becomes a violent convention. Um, Bernie's national press secretary has already called Bloomberg a racist authoritarian. Um, Bloomberg's campaign is comparing Trump to Bernie. Uh, they just released that statement, Bernie's new bro, Trump. Uh, I think it's everything Bernie th at least thought he wanted to run against until you actually get to the convention where Bloomberg's the only campaign who has staff on the Rules Committee, um, which is co-chaired by Barney Frank, by the way, who notoriously hates Sanders. Um, and then he's got another staffer on the Standing Rules and Bylaws Committee, former mayor of Philadelphia, Michael Nutter. Um, it's, hard, I mean, it's hard to know who wins, but I think Bernie goes into the convention with a plurality of delegates, and they probably take it from him there. Um, what Bloomberg's doing with things like Hawkfish, which is a... Uh, digital arm of his campaign that's going to extend through November. He's hired, I think, about 100 former Silicon Valley uh, tech executives to build basically the equivalent of what the Republicans and the Koch network have built um, on digital and, and media. And that's basically like what you're doing for the Democratic Party there, the DNC, is giving them a tool they've never had. And I think it's yeah, it's like a bribe. Um, and I think it's there's there's a good argument to be made that that's what they need to win. Um, 
And if he's, like we said, he's already spent half a billion dollars. If he spends a couple billion in the primary, I don't even know if he he could win the primary out. I mean, it's it's so hard to know. We're in such uncharted territory. Um, but you've got, a, I mean, Never Bloomberg is trending on Twitter. You've got major activists, Black Lives Matter activists like Sean King, who have millions of followers, and they're saying, we will never vote for this man. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to know. I think at this point, yeah, my prediction would be Bernie goes into the convention with a plurality of delegates, um, and on a second ballot, they go for Bloomberg. Wow. Uh, this, (laughs) that's a prediction. Let's keep that down. I'm going to hold him to that prediction. Uh, I, I think I'm going to go the other way. Just for the heck of it. Why? We, neither of us know, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If I put the money down in Vegas right now, I'll probably lose. I usually lose when I put money down on any kind of bet. But again, it's uh, it's basically people versus money. And Bernie's got the people. Uh, and the silly idol, idealist to me who sh- should be crushed by years of disappointment with Chicago sports teams uh, should not even have idealism anymore. Uh but I say the people prevail. God, say just saying that, Justin. I feel like a sucker and sap the Bulls fan that I am. Uh, but uh, anyway, we will see. We're still early. It's February. We haven't even gotten to the first Bloomberg participation in the debate. Uh, Justin Horowitz, thanks so much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Got to get you on the show more often. Uh, we have Denise O'Neill. Is she? Is Denise here? Denise is going to bring on a special guest. Where's the food? I thought there was food. Uh, maybe it's just a guest without the food. We'll be right back after this. They have food. <laughs> hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Denise O'Neill, one of my favorite people at the Sun-Times. I always talk about this. When Dennis and I came to the Chicago Sun-Times, we were the new kids on the block. And we were like, we don't know anybody. Denise was the nice person who said hello. Welcome to us, Denise Romana. Two shots out. we got to always remember Romana. And like I always say, Denise, that's the female version of my name. That is correct. Denise <laughs> and Dennis. But nobody calls Denise Dr. Doobie. Did you notice that? Well, uh, that's about to change. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Denise O'Neill uh, is uh, a uh, editor here at the Sun-Times, and she also so she a writer and uh, she wrote a story. We're not going to be talking about this particular story, Denise. We last time we were in the show, we talked about your CBS masterpiece. Uh, but this is how an unsung black inventor saved lives as the king of cool, Frederick McKinney Jones, at his drafting uh, desk. He was a pro- prolific inventor who invented a, col- a uh, cooling system used in army trucks in World War II. Uh, but we're not going to be talking about that. You have a special guest, an old friend of yours that you would like to introduce. Uh, with Mardi Gras around the corner, uh, or, or here already. So why don't you do the introductions? I have the king of Mardi Gras here. <laughs> Best hurricanes ever at Heaven on Seven, Mr. Jimmy Bannels, chef owner Thanks. and longtime friend. All right, very good, Jimmy. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, uh, and uh, so how do you two guys know each other? 
Well, I used to do food writing for the Sun-Times for about 15 years, and I met Jimmy. God, I met you at a Chicago tourism event yeah. um, decades ago. And we've been friends ever since. We were like 15 out of writing 16. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Jimmy, I like that. Unless you read today's story. Uh, and I like that voice of yours, man. You got like a voice for radio. Like, yeah, man. Jimmy Panos here, man. Uh, so you're, uh, you, what did you say? He's the king of Mardi Gras? Is that what you said? He's actually the king of cool. In addition to that dude. Oh, okay. And he is the king of Mardi Gras. He is the New Orleans, the Cajun king of Chicago. So uh, you're the Cajun king of Chicago, but are you from Chicago or are you from New Orleans? No, I, I always say I'm, uh, I was born in the twin. I was born in Chicago, but I grew up in the Twin Cities. And everybody goes, oh, Minnesota, that's great. We live there. No, Berwyn and Cicero. <laughs> I just wanted him to say that line again. <laughs> I love that line. Uh, you know who else is from that? Who, uh, big time, I'm on a tangent with it. You know Bob Odenkirk? No. Uh, the actor? Dr. Dino, big fan of his, uh, Just Call Saul. Anyway, he uh, is from the Cicero area, and he loves to talk about that. All right, so how did you get it? Uh, your guy, you were uh, from Berwyn, Cicero, the Twin Cities. So how did you learn anything about Mardi Gras? Yeah. Third, third generation chef, and uh, my father and myself, well, my brother and my mom, we bought a very nondescript restaurant on the seventh floor of the Garland building at 111 North Wabash. And it was a Jewish deli when we bought it. The father and the son-in-law owned it. And so we're kind of doing the Jewish deli thing for a couple of years. But every, the guy who we owned it, uh, we bought it from, everything was frozen. So I I started making everything from scratch. I just got a, out of chef school and uh, I played 16-inch softball when I was a kid, so my matzo balls were like as big as 16-inch <laughs> softballs. Yeah, you know, every time you poured soup in it, it was like a gallon of soup soaked up in the matzo balls. Yeah. Wait, you know, Jimmy, I actually know that restaurant. Uh, when did you buy it? Or when did you? 1980. We just celebrated 40 years February 4th. I used to go there all the time. I, many years ago, uh, when I started in this business, I worked for um, the Chicago Reporter, and that was on Michigan Avenue, and right around the corner. Right. We used to go there... Uh, I, I we had like, a lot of people from Chicago Reporter come in. Yeah, Laura Washington. Hey, yeah. Laura, out there. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, Kevin Blackstone, <laughs> uh, one of my oldest friends. And we used to go. I can't believe it, but it was so wild because you have all these like diamond dealers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Uncut Gems by any chance? No, I want to. They oh. say it's supposed to be. Jimmy, really hurry up, man. No, I want to go. It was yeah. Have you seen it, Denise? No. Oh. Man, what's the matter with you two? <laughs> I'm locked in here. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, it's, it's got that vibe that I, I remember from that restaurant. Yeah. Because uh, you're like in that Garland building, there's a lot of uh, jewelry dealers. Well, there's only one. There's only actually one. The, the Mallet 5 South Wabash is the is jewelry building. Okay, that's South. the one, yeah. But we do have one right across the hall from us, uh, Chuck Platt. And uh, he, he's he's crazy. <laughs> he's definitely uncut diamonds for, for sure. Uh, so you learn. So I presume you're not Jewish. No, but Greek. how did you're Greek? Yeah. Uh, so how did you learn how to cook uh, Jewish style? So because I was you know behind the stove seven days a week. I mean we were open six, and the seventh day I would, I'd go there and uh, you know just because uh, I buy my own produce, everything. I would just relax and do what I had to do for prep for the week. And I got uh, how I would travel through different cookbooks, magazines, and I got Paul Prudhomme's cookbook. And I and at the time he just opened up K Paul's Louisiana Kitchen, and um, I made a couple of things from the book, and it just went crazy. People went crazy. So I cold called them. And I, I always tell this to any young kid or anybody that's is, is interested in something and wants wants to get a hold of this person, not just keep on pestering them. <laughs> I only called him once. He called me back the next day. We had over an hour conversation, and he says, "Come on, you got to come down. You got a great story." So my wife and I flew down there on a on a long weekend, and that trip changed my life. And what you, you so before you went down there, you did not know. You had never, you had no experience in Canadian cooking. No zero. I mean, I went to culinary school, Washburn Trade School in the city. Washburn Trade School. Yeah, and uh, that was when I was on Thirty First and Kenzie, and um, and so you know I, I did some stuff there, but nothing Southern food. It was no big deal. I really feel that my dad stood up at a wedding in Biloxi, Mississippi, in '67, and I remember as a kid going there and eating this food and you know, marinated crab claws, crawfish, and things like that. And I was like, I don't know. I think it just stuck in my head. But what I asked you about before we get to the Cajun food, because we have, he did bring the Cajun food, so he... he I got some gumbo for you. He me, got so. some gumbo for me. <laughs> uh, but, so how did you learn how to cook Jewish style? You know, I just, I mean, just being a trained chef, I just knew, it's like, you know, not these little hard matzo balls. I mean, <laughs> you know, we get some leavening in them, you know. 
saw these things were as light as a feather. <laughs> they were really light, and the, the broth was fantastic. I mean, and it was just great. I mean, and then all of a sudden, the New Orleans stuff started overpowering the Jewish stuff. We were, we were voted number one Reuben in the city at one time by Pat Bruno. The, at the place? At the Garland Coffee at Shop. At the Garland Coffee Shop. Yeah. And then we changed, well, we unofficially changed it. Um, uh, to heaven on seven, we started selling gallons of gumbo, and I wanted to uh, print a T-shirt. So we, um, uh, how I how I figured that out, I was in the shower and the steam was rising up to, to heaven, and I said, "Oh, great!" I, so a bowl of gumbo, heaven on seven, and boom, that's that how was it. it. That's how. It went. Uh, back in the day, there were two. I'm going back to the '80s. Uh, there were two Jewish style delis on Wabash. There was yours right, and Mort. Do you remember Mort's? Mort's great. He was the best. Uh, uh, we, I used to, we used to call him the uh, the Jewish Mr. T because he'd come in there and Mort would have all the chains. Oh, yeah, chains. You know, the probably shirt about open. two watches on one hand. <laughs> come here, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Like you know, you always make you feel like you're the most important yeah. guy. I got you. I got you. He was you. a really nice guy. So uh, there were. It wasn't. So uh, the, they were, and then Five South Wabash was a was a pretty big deli in the jewelers. Uh, um, uh, you know, building and then um, the Mallers building, excuse me, and then it was us, so it was good. Uh, and so, uh, so when did you open uh, Heaven on Seven? So we bought that in '80. We started changing in about '84, mm-hmm. and that's we never looked back. And uh, so you got a, you have some food here for us? Yeah, I brought some gumbo, chicken and dewy sausage gumbo, and a jalapeno cheddar corn muffin. I'm All sorry, right. I only brought one. Can I, one. Uh, uh, which one should I have? Should I give them the open ones. The open one. I'm going to try this, and you tell me. Right now, Ben is trying the gumbo. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Great podcasting, Ben. That's delicious, man. Oh, it's got a little spice, a little little kick to it. Yeah, a little bit. All right, what's the secret to this? Love, a lot of love. Okay, not less love, man. You can't just put love in food. Oh yeah, you have to. You have to, otherwise it's gonna come out like crap. You know, it's, you gotta have, the, gotta have the love. No, you know what? A good roux, a nice dark roux, a really good chicken stock, and you, you know, you just gotta take your time. You can't rush it. Uh, Denise, have you tried this? I have tried it. I have tried those corn muffins. I haven't tried. I gotta try some of the corn muffins. <laughs> you have too. got to try the corn muffin. Yes. The best food ever. So that's a jalapeno cheddar corn muffin. Oh my goodness! Wow. Well, uh, well Ben gets that corn muffin ready. Um, one thing downstate that we eat a lot. Mm. Uh, have you ever heard of burgoo? Burgoo yeah. soup. Burgoo. It's a, it's like a stew soup. Yeah, they? yeah. Don't they, what, they put squirrel in there? Oh man. <laughs> I mean, uh, more than likely, it's like uh, you got a lot of different burgoo. I believe. Yeah, no, burgoo is a, a, traditionally a southern, uh, you know, a southern dish, and I think they do put squirrel, raccoon, if you get it, or stuff like that. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I think I just had like sausage, but not, not squirrel or raccoon. That's delicious, ma'am. And it's a good thing that it's at the end of the show. Usually, I have my delicious cheese and um, avocado. All right, sandwich. let's uh, let's chew that all and swallow before we start talking to people uh, you know, on the microphone. You know what I mean? That'd be uh, I gotta ask, why do you have cultured buttermilk up there? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> that is a great yeah. question. That is a great <laughs> And I'm glad you asked. Yeah. So um okay. Dennis, Dr. D is gonna very, very good. See. Uh I used to work for a different radio station, which I won't mention, <laughs> and they fired me. And so uh some of the people that like listening to my show, uh, I love it. they uh they took this uh in fact uh, Peter Jenko, who's the one who made it, will be on the show tomorrow. And um so I'm missing. So it's a it's a, a milk carton, uh and so I'm missing. I was missing, I was off the air for a while and after I was fired. Uh so anyway, that's the joke. And I usually keep it right there, but we share the studio now with Fran Spielman. I want to urge everybody to check out Fran's show. Uh, she has her own podcast she does here. So we, we try to, you know, right. clean it yeah. up and neaten yeah, it exactly. up a little bit. We're not uh, there to explain the whole thing, right. you know, <laughs> when they come in. Yeah, uh, when they come so in. So it just looks like buttermilk. Yeah, yeah it's just a, a buttermilk thing. But Jimmy, thanks for, it's the chef in him. Why is there buttermilk? Yeah, I'm looking at it like, why is he have buttermilk uh, cockeyed on the, on the uh, uh, top so, of the drawer? So do you have any special parties that you want to know people? You know, we do. Uh, well, we just had the 40th anniversary and then I'll, I'm going to bring some out of town chefs throughout the year and have some you know have some fun and then uh friday we have um friday's mardi gras weekend so we have live music and then uh, saturday same thing live music and i've got about seven new specials that uh, i haven't run before and then uh, fat tuesday is you know crazy it's the beginning of, it's you know it's the end of mardi gras but one thing about us in chicago is 
Well, I think the Fat Tuesday is the beginning of Mardi Gras, so it goes for like another three weeks. <laughs> so it's perfect for us. Yeah. What are the seven new specials? Uh, we I have a, a braised uh, beef shank uh, with an andouille sausage um, pan gravy mm-hmm. with uh, balsamic uh, cipollini onions on that, mm-hmm. uh, on Parmesan grits. Um, I've got um, pan-seared sea scallops with the Jamaican jerked oxtails on mashed potatoes. That's actually an old one I haven't had in uh, probably 10 years. I said, i got to bring that thing back. Especially okay. one of my servers who's been with me for a real long time. She's moving to Wisconsin, so I, got, I said, i got to make something for her. And then we're doing a uh, coconut-crusted shrimp with a Vietnamese um, uh, sweet chili sauce. So it's nice. We have oh, a I like that of, chili sauce. Yeah, it's really nice. It's got a little heat, but then it's, it's sweet. It's perfect. Uh, and... Uh, so, uh, Jimmy Banos, uh, have it on seven. I want to thank you very much for coming in the Thanks show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, we're, after the show, we're going to be f- eating this. Oh, this cooks me my dinner tonight. <laughs> I may go with the avocado and cheese and then have this for dinner. I don't know. I'll make that decision. No, I have that. That's a light little thing. You have a little one slice later on for that. Eat this now. All right. And uh, <laughs> so thank you very much for all the delicious food. And, Denise, I'm urging everybody to check out your story in the Sun-Times, How an Unsung Black Adventure Saved Lives as the King of Cool. Thank you. Uh, and thanks for Jimmy bringing Jimmy on. I really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Denise. I appreciate it. One of my best friends in the business, thanks. period. Bar none. Uh, and also want to thank Justin Horowitz and uh, Maya and, of course, the man, the myth, the legend. And before we go, we got to uh, congratulate our live chat champion of the day. It's Johnny Joe, Johnny Downstate Joe. Johnny Joe. The question of the day: What will Rob Blagojevich do now? What's the first thing he's going to do yeah. now that he's out of prison? We have several comments, but I think Johnny Joe takes the cake here. Congratulations, Johnny Joe! You win nothing. But here is the comment: <laughs> I think Blago will hold a press conference and show everybody how to turn a bar of soap into a shank in five minutes. Okay, <laughs> prison jokes. Uh, hey, maybe he'll go to heaven on seven and uh, celebrate. Uh, with, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's pretty clever. We'll send you the blue mustache. It's in the mail right now for that. Uh, We're not winning, doing that. that uh, winning joke. I'd also want to thank, as I was saying, the man, myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, Dr. Doobie. That's what they call him. Uh, and back home in Alton, as Jimmy can tell you, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, you know we live stream this program, right? It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. And when you join the YouTube channel, you can join the live stream chat. Join the Madhouse. Join Brianna, Johnny, Joe, Bruce, Bruce. Leave us a comment. And who knows? You may be the live chat champion and win nothing like Johnny Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. That's correct.